0: Welcome to the show, Unburden Your Health. This show brings experts and insights on what really works when it comes to improving health and well-being. The guest on my show today is Dr. Abhay Nene. Now, let me you know, try and introduce him in a very different way. My wife had a disc prolapse in her cervical spine and my wife, you know, after having been married to me for so many years, has an aversion to doctors. Dr. Abhay is probably the only doctor that I have known where Anju felt, I don't need you to come. I can go alone and meet Abhay. So that is one side of the story. The other is my sister is part of a drum group or a music group where Abhay is one of the guitarists and lead singers. So all the women in my house have a different connect with Abhay and that's my introduction to him. Uh, So I first interacted with him when I took my wife for a consultation and the rest, as we say, is history. Abhay has done his MBBS and MS in orthopedics, and after his surgical training in orthopedic surgery, most of his forays overseas have been centered in gaining expertise in the field of spine surgery at centers of great repute across Germany, the United Kingdom, USA, and Singapore. He's presently one of the leading spine surgeon consultants in top hospitals in Mumbai. Apart from this, Dr. Nene is a regular half marathon runner, having completed more than 20 half marathons all over the world. He is an avid cyclist, having cycled some of the world's toughest routes, including such as Manali to Leh and the Tour of the Nilgiris. He is also an avid trekker, having scaled the Everest base camp amongst others. Dr. Rabe, as I mentioned earlier, moonlights with a rock band, The Flunkies, as a vocalist and guitarist. So welcome, Abhay. Thank you so much for taking time to speak to us today.
1: Sanjay, it's such an honor and such a pleasure to have uh, that you had me on the show because you yourself are a leading light. And uh, in this past one year, you and your company and your work has really risen above the averages and you all have been of great service to uh, the entire country. And I thank you for that. And uh, you've had, you've been had, uh, have had a one-on-one uh, with my wife, who's a chest physician and treating COVID. And she's indebted to you because you've gone out of your way to help people with COVID. Uh, you know, getting your lab to function twenty-four-seven, if you may. Aside of that, you're a great guy. So I'm very happy to be with you, Sanjay.
0: Thank you, Abhay. Thank you for those kind words. You know. So let me, you know, take you back to when you started your career. Uh, were you always keen to become a doctor or did it happen because you were a good student and you got into medicine easily?
1: So actually neither. It's a bit of a cliched question for me, but I'm going to still answer, answer it the way I always do. That it was just a coincidence that I became a doctor because neither was I a good student, but I was from an average school, Hill, Hillgrange High School. Great school, but academically average. So I ended up being the top of the heap in that school. and uh, But if you see my grades, they were just about making it. And uh, in fact, I took uh, admission in an engineering college after 12th uh, at twelfth standard and then PCM and PCB. And I actually joined okay. up uh, chemical engineering. I was going to get UDCT, which was one of the good colleges then. And then uh, mom called and said, you know, you have Barks and Bio and you're you're featured on the list and uh, the you're, the medical college is right next door in South Bombay itself. So um, right. uh, just on the fly, I switched my mind and uh, my mom maybe influenced me, but Really, at that time, you're so tender in your thought process that you would, you're easy to mold into anything that you're put into. And if uh, if if it if there was a message there, this is the message that don't be rigid on, uh, you know, because you're too young to decide. And as long as you're, right. um, you know, congenial about what comes your way, uh, I think you're able to mold into anything that's
0: uh, given to you and you can make the most of it. Absolutely. No, I mean, um, there are two, three thoughts that come to my mind, uh, uh, you know, uh almost a a repeat of my uh, history post class 12, where I actually took admission in VJTI. I also wanted to get into UDCT, but I missed it by a couple of marks. So I got into VJTI, I paid the fees, but then I also got PCB, as you said, the bio. And then my dad in this case told me, so slow. You know, I guess that so slow, two words had such a big impact that here we are 30 years down the line, you know, both of us, you know, colleagues and friends and, you know, having done uh, some amount of good work in our field of choice, you know, so so I guess sometimes parents really know more than what we do. Yeah, and, and in my case, at back, least there was nobody from the medical field. I don't know, in your case, were exactly, either exactly of your so. parents
1: from the medical field? Absolutely not. Everyone, I'm the only doctor in the family. I'm a black sheep, if you may. And Sanjay, thinking back now, <laughs> 30 years later, do you think you could have been anything else? No, you uh, you really you know fit into this so well, and so do I. So I think it's a bit of a chance, bit of a fate, but it's a bit of uh, being a maverick and you know fitting into the role given to you.
0: True, 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 absolutely. But if you were to see the next generation, I can I can relate to it. I have two, you know, young girls. Uh, uh, the older one was very certain that she never wanted to do medicine, but the younger one was absolutely certain that she wanted to do medicine and I, as i commonly tell people that you know being from the lab industry you know most children when they grow up they learn abc but my children learn cbc you know so that's the difference i guess you know so that influence somehow uh, you know made one completely uh, you know focused on medicine and the other one completely uh, you know not wanting to take it up but coming back to you uh, you know what was the reason to choose orthopedics and then choose you know become a specialist in spine what or what was the motivation there
1: so uh, once again orthopedics um, of course you know once you get into medicine you know it well that you either become a physician personality or a surgeon personality and you start figuring that that out in your second and third year when you're in the clinical rotations and I was very sure that I was a clear surgical personality I may not have thrived like a clinician where a lot of cerebral work has to be done this is more hands-on and more uh, you know black and white stuff And amongst that, orthopedics had two great advantages. One, of course, being that, uh, you know, there were much fewer seats in orthopedics, which means that every year, much uh, lesser orthopedic surgeons came out. So, uh, you know, less competition, if you may. And the other was that it is about the most black and white surgical field around out there. It's like a guy fixing a jigsaw puzzle or, you know, a a car mechanic fixing a car. It's all one plus one equal to two. There's almost nothing that's vague and indeterminate in orthopedics. And that's very appealing. So I think that uh, it matched my personality. Having said that, once you deviate or once you move out of orthopedics to go into spine, and I'm saying this again, you actually have to move out of orthopedics to get into spine uh, because spine is almost a physician branch of orthopedics. So uh, in orthopedics, for every 10 patients you see, you know, eight of them need a fix. You need to fix them and you need to do what you're good at. In spine, it's exactly right, right. the other way. You need to put a lot of thought. You need to actually conserve 80% of your patients. And it's really the sure. skill set of figuring out who really needs an operation or needs intervention is what uh, scales your ratings up as a spine surgeon, even in your own head or among, amongst your peers. So leaving back orthopedics was a far bigger challenge than uh, you know taking up orthopedics was a no-brainer. Sure, sure. No,
0: that's a great insight that, you know, from orthopedics to surgery, it becomes 80-20 becomes 20-80 almost, you know, so uh, that's a great insight. And I also know that, you know, you have worked under some illustrious people, none other than, you know, Dr. Shekhar Bhojraj, uh, you know. Uh, so how important is it for medical professionals to have mentors like him or, you know, did he any in in any way shape your thinking or your career?
1: I mean, this question almost should not be put a, put because he, uh, I mean, a mentor, I'm going to say the one and only Dr. Bhojraj because he was my mentor. But as a generic, a mentor solves all your problems in life. And uh, the more right. specialized you get, and especially in the field like ours, which uh, in which there are so many factors that can make you into a good or a bad doctor, leave alone a surgeon or a clinician, just a good doctor. Needs you to develop your personality in a 360 degree manner. And, uh, you know, because um, our uh, profession, unfortunately, Sanjay, you know, that is a conflict of interest. So every time I see someone and I offer him treatment, uh, I'm, uh, you know, filling my coffers or that's where I'm getting my income from. And I really need to know where I should offer him treatment and when I should not offer him treatment. It's almost like you go to the car seller and the guy says that, you know what, I don't think you should buy this car. How often will you hear that from a, you know, from a salesman true. and that's pretty true, much true. how our profession is. But we are doctors and we are not car salesmen. And hence, we uh, there has to be someone like a Buddha in your life, you know, who le- uh, shows you the path that if you follow this nice. straight and narrow path, um, you know, you are going to come out tops. Uh, don't scrap around for short gains. Look at the big picture. And a mentor like Dr. bhojraj uh, and hope you know all of y'all have ha- had mentors of that uh, repute or that uh, level of uh, IQ and EQ. Right. Uh, that really solves your problem. You just put your uh, shut your eyes. And Sanjay, in, interesting anecdote. When I bought my first Mercedes, I didn't ask my wife. Right. I asked my mentor. Can I? Because he <laughs> he uh, used to drive a white colored Maruti 800 at that time, and he could afford afford okay. any car on earth. And I was almost sure right. that he'll say, you know what, don't spend on this. This is indulgence, you know, like a true Buddha. And guess what he says that you've asked right. me this question means you want it and you can afford it. Just go and buy it straight away because you want it now. Wow. You don't want it when you're 85. And uh, it, right. again, great right. insight. And, you know, the mentor understanding and the mentor not pushing you along a pigeonhole, but just showing you the path and then you you take it. So I think mentorship, Perfect. Uh, Perfect. you know, you can never say too much about mentorship and, uh, As, um, you know, as uh, people who've been mentees, it's important for us to pay back or rather pay it forward and, uh, you know, create a lineage of mentees behind you and pass on the same knowledge to keep our profession and, of course, our skill sets um, uh, surviving in this uh, big, bad world.
0: Sure. No, so well said, Abhay. Absolutely. I think, you know, uh, know, learning from people like Dr. Bhojraj and then, as you said, paying it forward by passing on that legacy. And I'm sure, you know, there are so many people who look up to you, you know, for not just, uh, you know, the orthopedic side of your profession or the spine side, but as a a human being, as a well-rounded personality, I think there's so much to learn from you. So thank you for sharing that. And, you know, it reminded me of an anecdote that I share with my team very often, that a good surgeon is one who knows when not to operate.
1: Totally. Um, You you nailed it.
0: And... So I I tell my team the same thing that, you know, when people come to us for a test, we are meant to do tests, but also being able to tell them when not to do a test is very important. In fact, we must be one of the few labs in the country or in the world, which has published a handbook with a chapter on tests that should not be prescribed.
1: Oh, awesome. Everybody
0: (laughs) writes tests that should be prescribed. We must be the only lab which says don't do this. Uh, so I can relate to so much of what you said. So thank you for sharing. that. That is right.
1: so much in character with you, Sanjay, that, uh, you know, you're, you're here, you're here to do good work and you're not uh, literally a service industry, but you're a, a profession of a very high repute. And it's re- the buck really stops with you and with me to maintain the, you know, the uh, reputation of our uh, profession. And uh, I know Absolutely. it's a bit controversial to talk about this, but it has to be said because uh, people around need to know. That, uh, you know, there there are many ways this can go, but it's really up to us. And it's our integrity that really leads us uh, forward.
0: So true. No, I was telling my team the other day that we are celebrating 27 years of suburban diagnostics in July. It takes 27 years to build credibility, but it takes only 27 seconds to lose it. So it's so important that, you know, how, you know, you keep at it, keep your guard up. Make sure you continue to do the right thing, as you said.
1: And make it an intuition. Make it intusional. Don't make it a created effort. Just let it happen automatically. And you know how our teachers taught us that the next time you see a patient, think of that person as your brother, mother, or father, or whatever. And what would you tell them? Just tell them exactly that. Don't worry if he's, you know, come from a palace or whether he's a beggar on the road. Just give them the advice that you would want to give yourself and you'll never get it wrong. It may not work okay. in the short term, but in the long term, you've literally created a mountain of a reputation that, uh, you know, you will just rise above.
0: That's what I tell my team. So much of similarity, away that don't do not do something to a patient that you would not do to your own family. As simple as that. You know, we have a we have an examination bed and I tell my, my team the same thing, that if you are not comfortable to lie down on that bed yourself or have somebody of your family lie down on that bed, then it's not good enough for a patient. If the bathroom is not clean enough for your family, it's not clean enough for your for your patients as well. So, you know, treat your patients like your family, as you said. You know. Perfect. Moving on, um, you know, I know one of the commonest things that you must be facing as a professional is uh, back pain. Um, And, you know, we have seen that back pain has become one of the leading causes of disability worldwide. Uh, Why do you think this really has happened? And, you know, what is the triggers behind this? And have you seen any evolution of back pains over the last, you know, two and a half decades that you have been practicing. I mean, how have you seen this happen?
1: Yeah. So again, a very pertinent uh, discussion because today back pain is the second commonest cause of a doctor consult worldwide. And I'm not talking of people who come to me, but who go to any doctor across the world. And that's a startling revelation. And that really was not a statistic 20 years ago. So clearly it is a lifestyle and a modern uh, living kind of a problem. And, um, uh, you know, it's how we sure. handle our bodies. And uh, there are two or three root causes which, uh, you know, you see happening around you every day. And just before we started the pod- podcast, we spoke about fitness. And I think that is the, the number one cause where uh, as we are getting busier with uh, more table uh, oriented jobs compared to our forefathers who are more field oriented jobs, our physical right. output has significantly dropped. And, uh, you know, uh, physical output that's needed to keep your body in good stead and your muscles and your joints and your bones in good uh, health has gone away. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, your back is the most used organ in your body because it's 18, 19 hours of the day that you're loading your back. It's only when you lie horizontal that the back is offloaded. Sure. But on the flip side, it is the least serviced organ of your body. So you go for a walk for your heart, you do diet for your, you know, metabolism, you do biceps curls for your hands, you go running for your legs, but you rarely if ever do anything constructive to try and upgrade your spine, whether it's the neck or the low back. So, you know, that's the other thing. So uh, long seated hours, a lot of IT computer related, uh, you know, work profiles that all of us have gotten into. Uh, lack of uh, concern towards health because of time versus because of um, you know new fashions and new new ways that we carry ourselves around obesity uh like overweight right. uh, you know obesity is again sure. coming. so I think there's a plethora of factors that uh, has gone into this back pain but again on the on the good side uh, though I said that it's the commonest cause of a uh, doctor consult, of these, you just need to switch back to lifestyle, use common sense and the back pain goes away. So it's not a threat to humanity, but it's something that if you don't pay attention to in time, it can become big
0: on you and you don't want to be there. And uh, I'm sure during the pandemic, this would have got exaggerated, right? With, you know, people completely being stuck at homes. uh, The chronic issues on back pains would have just gone up and you would have probably got a lot more People reaching out Yeah, to you
1: for so this? so true, Sanjay. But what, there are three or four things that happened and that took it down to the next level. The first, of course, was longer sitting hours at home because at home you're rarely doing stuff. You're just sitting on your butt and uh, you know doing stuff. The other is um, getting into a, a different set of exercises. A lot of people who used to go out for a walk or used to play badminton or tennis suddenly were homebound and they right. started doing these high-intensity floor exercises, including myself. Uh, and switch right. to a new form of exercise which your body was not really used to. Asides of that housework, a lot of us were, uh, fortunately not me, but a lot of my friends were subjected to jadu pocha. And uh, that is right. again right. pretty strenuous for your back if you have not done it from uh, from the beginning. And uh, of course, if you've done it from the beginning, it's a great physical therapy for you. But if you're just at 45, you just start sweeping the floor, you can be in big trouble. And hence, actually, one of the videos that we published during the lockdown uh, alluded to how to do a jhadu pocha, because how can you protect your back and do jhadu pocha or even bartan for that matter, which are quite back taxing. So they were practical use and we got a lot of, uh, you know, good inputs from homemakers and even, even, uh, you know, husbands who were (laughs) subjected to doing that stuff. Uh, Asides of that, lack of sunlight and then, of course, uh, a diet that went off the handle. So these three or four things took back pain to the next level during the lockdown. And uh, of course, uh, the result was that we had many more people calling in. But like I said, they only needed counseling and they got it right. The minute the penny drops at, oh, this is where I've been screwing up, you instantly turn around and you get it right. You
0: don't need a doctor to fix you there. Sure, sure, sure. You mentioned, you know, uh, being locked down inside and lack of sunlight. So uh, have you seen any change in statistics for osteoporosis as well, osteopenia or osteoporosis? And we know that women generally are more prone to it. But what's been your experience over the last 20 years?
1: So again, you're, you're, you know, touching on the raw nerve for me because I really want to shout out loud from rooftops about, uh, uh, you know, the knowledge of understanding your peak bone mass and how you need to control your Uh, yourself before osteoporosis strikes in because osteoporosis is not some esoteric word. It's something that we are all headed towards. And I want to mention at that point that it's not really osteoporosis alone. It's osteoporosis and sarcopenia, which means your bones as well as your muscles start to dwindle down and start their downward graph as early as the age of 35 or 40. And, uh, you know, at 35, you think you're young but uh, you attain your peak bone mass. So I'm going to do a quick tutorial. I know we are short on time, but I'm going to still tell you that when we are born, we are building more bone and muscle and losing less bone and muscle. And that's how we grow. And between the age of 20 and 35, we peak and we kind of maintain the maximum uh, mass in our bone bank and our muscle bank, which starts to creep down because you start losing more bone and muscle and creating less new bone and muscle after 35. And from 35 to 40, there's a slight drop and after 50, uh, women uh, who attain menopause, which is a, you an know, un- uh, unfortunate thing almost in their hor- hormonal balance, suddenly have a massive dip, which means they start losing bone and muscle mass much faster and they stop gaining right. any. Men uh, go on the same lines, but they have a slow graph going downwards till 70. So the bottom line is what you can attain at the age of 35 is really what's going to determine where you're going to go from there, which means as a sure. earning professional, if you retire with a poor bank balance, you're going to be in deep trouble in your retirement years. And that's exactly what happens to us. And hence, uh, we okay. all got to open our eyes and look at our younger generation and encourage them to build a good bone and muscle mass before they run out of uh, you know options and that involves sure. a good diet good uh, you know sunlight exposure and good physical activity for the upper torso and the lower torso all three are being missed by our new generation now uh, right, you know once right. you have a good bone mass you are you can you can come on the table and negotiate as far as osteoporosis sure. is concerned sanjay i'm going to take just a few minutes more because this needs to be uh, heard out that osteoporosis yes. happens to everyone and it definitely happens to all women. It's just a question of who gets more and who gets less. So um, the, the first thing is that uh, perimenopausally, you got to check your bone density and uh, you got to check your profile. So bone density is one test, but there are many other markers like weight loss, muscle loss, uh, lack of appetite, lack of stamina, uh, loss of height, bone pains, fractures. If any of this is happening or a strong family history or if you've been on steroids or antithyroid drugs. You're likely right. to be uh, you know, a candidate and um, the the best treatment for osteoporosis is pre- prevention. So if you can uh, recognize it early and start medication early, you're likely to last this out much longer. Unfortunately, osteoporosis and sarcopenia are both silent diseases and uh, it right, comes right. to four only when there's a fracture, when too much water has flown under the bridge and it's too late to then treat it because so you true. treat the fracture, but then you can't treat the osteoporosis. So it is something Direct. that we all should be aware of and we should be all the time trying to prevent it by a good diet, good exposure to sunlight or consuming good vitamin D and being on the top of it and good set Direct. of exercises for strengthening the upper as well as the lower torso.
0: No, Perfect. I think some great takeaways here. I think the one big takeaway for me was how people below the age of 35 need to build their health bank balance, if I can call it that, or their muscle and bone bank balance, as we can call it, that, uh, you know, uh, they tend to take their health for granted and uh, don't realize that eventually it's that peak bone mass or peak muscle mass at the age of 35 that's going to take them forward maybe for the next 50 years. So I think that's a great takeaway.
1: Uh, Absolutely. You know Sanjay, and also you yeah. mentioned at the start of before the we started this recording that people make light of their musculoskeletal health. They spend a lot of attention on heart and lung and diabetes and cancer. Right. But uh, across yes. the globe, no one, everyone takes health, uh, you know, cardio, I mean, the musculoskeletal health for granted. And uh, that's a great point you made, Sanjay, because, uh, you know, you got to think about it, that when you live your life and when you go through life, you're not playing for getting a cancer or getting a heart problem. You're playing to lead a healthy life through the end. And just imagine that if you're 60 or 70 and, you know, you don't have a heart disease and you've worked your way around uh, diabetes and everything is under control. But skeletally, you're in the dumps, like you don't have a good muscle power, your bones ache and your joints ache. It's like having a car with a great engine and a really crappy tin work and you're still not going to be able to use it. And it's too late at that time to work on it. So you got to go there with all guns blazing and play for a good fit body because it's the only place you really have to live in. And uh, if you can invest in it, um, you know, early, you can live the rest of your life. And in fact, I'm going one step ahead. To say that even if you have a heart or a or any other you know medical problem, with a fitter body you're able to fight it much better than with a body that's unfit.
0: So true, so true. You know, and I keep saying this you know, to everybody that for a healthy body and a healthy mind, you need healthy bones at its core. So, and you have said that you know that you can have a great engine, but if you don't have a great tin work, the car is not going to run very long. So, thank you, thank you for those anecdotal you know, uh, similes that I could call it. Uh, What is the role of posture, according to you, uh, Abhay, in, you know, problems of the spine? You know, we, we all are told that, you know, you don't slouch, sit upright. But somehow, you know, posture and ergonomics still, unfortunately, don't feature as strongly as I feel they should. But, you know, would love to hear your opinion on posture.
1: Once again, you've picked on a topic that very few people pick on. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you brought this to the table. And because posture <laughs> is one, you know, if there's one thing that uh, g- gets patients to me, it's because they've been in bad posture and hence they get back pain. And again, you can prevent it. You can't treat it. So again, I'm going to give you a slight uh, gyan on this, that your spine, which is really the axle of your car, because every other organ right. hangs out from the spine with the hands, legs, your visceral organs. So your spine has a great shape memory when you're young. So you're, you've got bones, which of, of course are you know non-dentable. But in between, there are these discs, which are like shape memory pillows. And we have 30 discs in our body. And uh, these hold right. your back together. And I'm going to liken this to the mast of a ship. The mast of a ship stands upright when the ship is on the dock and everything else hangs around it. However, when the ship is at sea, which is really where it's meant to be, which means that when you and me are doing stuff, walking, sitting, bending, playing, etc., carrying bags, the ship is at sea. The ship is up against the winds and that's when the ropes that hold the mast up come into play. And just imagine if these didn't, uh, you know, didn't, if they remained slack the mass would eventually crack under the wind. And that's exactly what happens to the back, that your muscles are the ropes or the dynamic supporters that come into play when our postures are slightly different than when they are in the shavasana or absolutely straight position. And we rarely are in that position. So your muscles come to the party and these muscles help enhance the shape memory of your back. All this is being done so that your core is strong to give support to the other organs. And more importantly... The, uh, the, uh, the the resident of this core is the big nerve, the spinal nerve, and you don't want that sure. damage. So this whole functions almost acts like the shock absorbers of your car. So if your car goes over a bumper, right. you don't feel the shock. Just like that, if I bend and pick a bag, the nerve doesn't feel it, neither do any other organs that are hanging out from the spine. Sure. Now, sure. when you are sure. in a poor posture, it practically means that your muscles are not firing enough to keep the shape memory of your back. And that clearly has a negative impact on the visceral or the physical organs around the back, the hands, legs, the knees, the uh, tummy organs and the nerve inside. And this becomes a self-procreating problem. Like if your posture is bad, the load on your back becomes more than normal and your back uh, goes down a few percentages and hence the posture becomes bad. And hence, so it becomes a vicious cycle, which takes you down, eventually leading you to a place uh, called degeneration. So your discs degenerate. Uh, practically they dehydrate, they lose their shape memory and the inherent ability of the back to hold its shape and hence give the support that it normally did starts to go away. Uh, Along with that, if your muscles are not, you know, also flagging down, you start going down the hill and that's where really back problems start.
0: I think uh, such important points that you have raised, Abhay, that, you know, people tend to neglect the fact that the bone and the muscle work together as one team. And somehow people either focus only on the bone and only on the muscle or more people think only about the bone. But as you said, sarcopenia is an equal contributor to the overall outcome and how both bone and mu- muscle health needs to be looked into, you know, in conjunction. So excellent Completely. point. Sanjay, one quick, I, you know, one
1: quick word on the yeah, posture please. because there's a very simple tip that I want to give anyone who's listening to us that what is the right posture, right? That's the big question. And just stand up right. with your back against the wall, with your heels dug in. So the back of your head, the, the upper back, the butt and the heel are all in stacked up in one line. And keep your chin right. and your vision parallel to the floor. And you've got your posture. So if you can be in this posture, whether you're seated, standing, walking, etc. Uh, you've almost uh, taken away the excess load that your body has to take. And you put the body in the most physiological manner. So it's not really hard sure. to, uh, you know, figure out what's the right posture. Ergonomics, on the other hand, deals, because you mentioned it, deals with how the work, uh, you know, the workspace that you work in matches up to suit your posture and you don't match your posture to suit your workplace, which means that uh, my screen is at my eyesight at my eye level. So my eyesight remains parallel to the floor, going back to the basics that, uh, you know, I'm looking up straight. Uh, My chair is tall enough so I can keep my back upright. If the chair is low, I'm making a special effort to keep my back upright. So this posture ergonomics, uh, which can go hand in hand, can, uh, you know, preempt uh, so many back problems.
0: Right. I think uh, we've seen a lot of offices now with the standing up tables. You know, I think that's I think a great, uh, great initiative that those tables that can actually be moved up and down to give you the flexibility of even standing and working. So uh, I think uh, many people are realizing the importance of this. So before I move on to the disc, as you touched upon, you know, before we, you know, conclude on the back part, could you, you have given some tips on posture, but could you give some tips on, you know, what would be easy exercises for people to do on their back? You know,
1: thanks for uh, further reducing my business, but I'm still in it for that. So because if you start (laughs) listening to these exercises, doing these exercises, literally you will stay away from back doctors. So it's as simple as that, that in, in the big equation, your back flags down as you grow older and your muscles are the only tissue in the body that have a capacity to regenerate lifelong and uh, this i can put in bold underline italics anyway for it to make a you know make an impression onto you so the more you the older you grow the more you invest in your muscles the healthier you stay and that's that's it dubara mat puchna So if you can work on your muscles, and I'm in the business for the back, so I'm going to talk to you about the muscles that support the back. And it's clear that if your column is the back, everything that surrounds it are the muscles that hold it together, of which the most critical, which are the most uh, ignored are the abdominals. So if your abdominals, so even right now while you're listening to me, if you just pull your stomach in as you would to hide your tummy, you feel the back get offloaded. Because you create a negative pressure in your abdominal column which pushes the back up and it it becomes a second column of load bearing. So, your abdominals which are the straight muscles and the obliques. So, anything like crunches, uh, you know, oblique crunches, planks, side planks, etc. Which are not out of bounds even for a 70-year-old housewife. It is not difficult exercise. It's just that you got to keep... You know, baby stepping into it and you'll you'll reach your marks. So that becomes one sure. set, the front and the side muscles. And the other is the, para, uh, the paraspinal, the muscles that run along the back, which become like tie beams right. that hold your back up all the way up to the neck. So anything that involves sure. extension, you know, typically bhujangasana, uh, swimming, where you're lying on your tummy and doing a superman with your back, which is actually tightening right. your back muscles. As you can imagine, these are not intuitive exercises. Doing push-ups is intuitive. Going for a walk is intuitive. Or doing a bicep curl is intuitive. But these are not intuitive. So you look them up. Meet a good physical therapist who can help you, you know, do these in the right postures. And that's all you need. And, uh, you know, swear to God, we all do these every day. So we walk the talk and which is what keeps us healthy. Because as you grow older, you need to be fit to go and get fitness, you. I can't go to the gym and say I'm getting my fitness. I need to be fit to go to the gym. I need to be fit to sure, go for sure. a run, and I need to be fit to play tennis. So that fitness okay. comes from your core fitness.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. I'm just going to deviate slightly to a maybe a you know common belief that you know there is this element of uh, mind and body that you know the element of psychosomatic. That is there any are there any emotional reasons for back pain which are not really organic back pains but more psychosomatic or emotional or mental in, in in origin have you faced that as well so as much as we'd like to believe yes it's really a largely a no
1: and the back is such a simple straightforward uh, you know uh, one plus one equal to two type of a thing that you exercise it you keep right. the right postures keep calcium and vitamin d no out of the line or out of the box problems will haunt it except maybe Two things which I would like to tell you. One is neck pain. Because uh, just like when you're emotionally troubled or under stress, your the uh, muscle around your skull contracts and you get what is called a tension headache. That muscle is linked right. to the neck. And hence, uh, a lot of neck pains can come out of uh, stress. And the other is lack okay. of sleep. If you're stressed out and not sleeping enough. So I mentioned at the top that the back and the neck gets its rest only during your sleep hours. Because otherwise, it's firing. Right. So if your sleep is compromised, then again, you will end up with a cascade of, uh, you know, uh, progressive back pain day after day. Asides of that, just, sure. you know, acidity and uh, tachycardia, etc., which are so commonly linked to stress. I would know, I think back is a very, very functional and a very, uh, you know, direct mechanical
0: problem. And if you deal with it, sure. you know, you're sorted. You, you just, you know had touched upon the fact that the extremes of the spine, you know, the upper end, which is the cervical spine and the lower end, which is the lumbar spine are the ones which are most affected. Is it just the way the anatomy is? Or is there any other reason why these two extremes of the spine are the ones which are most affected? Yeah. So once again,
1: uh, nature or God or whoever slightly uh, conjuced when he made the back, right? So when when they did uh, <laughs> when they when they develop the neck, though it's probably the most beautiful organ of the body. It's uh, you know it lends you strength, it lends you support, it gives you mobility, it protects the nerve, and it looks sexy. I mean, which other organ can uh, you know claim, uh, stake claim for so Absolutely. many functions of the body and work 18 hours of the right. day? The neck has a slight disadvantage because it's a very uh, lean and a thin, uh, not a muscular part of the spine. And its job is to hold the 10 pounds of your head, which is not really 10 pounds because your head is rarely ever square on your shoulders. As you start craning your neck down, which you and me are doing even now as we speak to each other, the load multiplies significantly. So the load on a weak neck is significantly high in in our postural activities. While the nerve that it controls or harnesses is probably the most sensitive nerve in the body, the cervical spine. And that's where, you know, neck problems. uh, So the neck has an undue disadvantage. On the flip side, the lumbar spine is the workhorse of the body, even when you're seated, the entire load of the body. So no matter what you're doing, the load of the body eventually cones down on the low back. And um, so uh, it is the kind of the workhorse of the body. so the damages there sure. happen far more rapidly than the damages that happen in the foot or the knee or the hip. And I, I think this is the reason being flexible as well as being loaded um, uh, makes these right. two pertinent uh, you know areas of the spine more likely to uh, you know get problems.
0: So I guess the wear and tear on the spine is sometimes probably not obvious to people uh, because it's not it's not in your sight of vision, so to say you know, uh, and probably that's why it gets ignored. And I think you've raised some great points on how we should, you know, remain focused on that. Uh, Continuing on the topic of, uh, you know, a very common issue, which people also see is slip disc or disc prolapse. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of, uh, you know, mysteries around it. Uh, You know, some people say that it's only with the obese people, people, you know, who lift heavy weight, uh, you know, have this problem. But we're also seeing young people who are extremely lean, having disc prolapse so maybe you know you could demystify this whole area around slip disc or disc prolapse for us
1: totally totally again a very, very probably the most common uh, you know reason that people come to a spine surgeon is a slip disc. So I was mentioning that in your back, there are these 30 discs that uh, take loads between the bones. And I mentioned that as we grow older, the discs degenerate. Now, this is not literal. It's not we growing older, but the disc growing older. So I'm going to give you the example of the sofa in your house. When you bought it, it had a great shape memory. So when you sat on it, it held you up. But if you overuse it or if it was made of bad material, it would start losing its shape memory much sooner. And that's pretty much that happens to us today you can be a 20 year old but if you're genetically predisposed to a weak disc which means that your sofa was made of bad material even 20 years of loading can cause that disc to degenerate so we really have not been able to crack the cause of degeneration all that we know that it happens across the board and it is not necessarily a function of aging though it is a function of usage of the disc Now, so it's the use versus the quality versus the abuse that sets your disc to get degenerated. So the point we are underlining is that any one of us at any age could have a degenerated disc right from late teens right down to an older age. And once the disc is degenerated, it can never regenerate because again, interestingly, the disc is the largest avascular organ in the body, which means that it's an organ that has no blood supply. So no matter what you try and people have tried Tons of things and there's a lot of stuff going out there and being sold at a price to, uh, you know, try to fix your disc, injecting stuff, stem cells. Nothing works because the disc cannot regenerate. Dubara mat pushna, almost. So once the disc is degenerated, (laughs) you're living with a weak disc, no matter which way you look at it. And this disc is prone to injuries like an old rubber band. So when you start loading it up with your bad postures and your muscles are not doing their job to support this weak back, the disc starts to crack. And eventually this crack becomes a full thickness tear. Like you rightly said, we ignore these smaller warnings. And when the when there's a full thickness tear, the stuff from inside leaks out. Unfortunately, the next door neighbor is the big nerve, which gets no. inflamed. And you start developing pain going down the leg. And that's when you've crossed the red line. And you know, you really need right. a doctor to come into play. Uh, uh, after that, it's not going to be counseling. It's going to be treatment. So you'd rather not let sure. that happen. Now, on the good side, 80% of slip discs with uh, nerve involvement can still be treated with initially with rest and then with correct ergonomic and postural you know changes. It's only two or even one out of 10 that need intervention like injections or surgeries.
0: Okay. And in surgery also, I believe there are different options. There is an open surgery and there is minimally invasive surgery. Yeah. Uh, you know, your your inputs on those and yeah how so people don't, don't choose which to do
1: <laughs> so no actually spine surgery developed a bad reputation before the era of mri and good anesthesia cuz we uh, right. were uh, guilty of doing surgery with less background knowledge less homework But with, uh, you know, good MRI machines, good lab tests, uh, we are now absolutely able to envisage what we're going to see inside. And hence today, spine surgery, why is it, why is there a boom in spine, uh, in the spine industry? Because the surgery is getting more and more specific and effective. And the results of spine surgery are now, you know, amongst the best results in uh, orthopedics. But uh, so, which is where to, to make it sound good to people, we say it's a minimally invasive surgery. Actually, there's no uh, you know hard definition of minimally invasive. The meaning of that uh, is that there's least collateral damage to the body when you're trying to fish out a pathology inside. And that makes sense because today people after surgery are up on their feet on typically on the same day and people run marathons and play international sports after back surgery. So the real meaning of minimally invasive surgery is stuff that doesn't invade normal tissue but takes away the abnormal tissue. You steal the problem from the body without the body knowing and that's really what it means.
0: Perfect, perfect, perfect. The good thing to hear is that 80% of cases don't need surgical intervention and you know with good rest and good I guess, physiotherapy support, uh, you know, 80% of cases will uh, revert back to uh, normal, which is very reassuring for us to hear. Absolutely. It's a worldwide Uh, statistic. My friends
1: may not like to hear that, but it's a worldwide proven statistic.
0: (laughs) No, no. I mean, I have have, uh, witnessed that with my wife who came to you more than 20 years ago. And, you know, you advised her that she does not need surgery. And touch wood, you know, she's doing well. She can still punch me in my face, you know, without any pain at all. So, you know, so obviously your advice has worked well for her, you know. So thank you for that. Uh, But, you know, just to demystify this part that is it only seen in obese people who have disc prolapse or people who do heavy lifting or even, you know, lean people or younger people can have this problem.
1: So uh, the simple answer is it can happen across the board, but I'm going to tell you four things on this side and that side because we're short of time. The four things that can contribute to uh, bad backs is body weight because body weight uh, is directly being load is loading the back for 18 hours of the day. So the more, the higher you are above your, uh, you know, ideal body weight, which is height in centimeters minus 100 roughly, Uh, you know, the more taxing your, your, you know, the more taxation on your back. The other is muscle strength, which we alluded to. So exercises which are specific and which are generic. Uh, The third is endurance because your uh, muscles have to be strong and yet they have to last you for 18 hours of the day. So your red fibers uh, have to come into play also. So endurance activity, which is generic fitness. And the fourth is postures, which we spoke about. And these postures, not only, I mean, I simplified it by saying stand back to the ball, but really it is when you're bending, lifting, etc. Whether you're focusing and keeping your back in a good stead. So if these four boxes are checked, you're unlikely to get back pain. And if they're not checked, you're likely. So it does not involve age, but it does involve, you know, the way you lead your life. And on the flip side, sure. if you took care of these four things, you would probably not, uh, you know, develop a back problem. So that I think demystifies the causes of uh, uh, back pain. Also on the back, you need to know that there are a few activities which we do in our daily life, which are back unfriendly. So the message is be right. very careful while doing the, the below mentioned activities bending long sitting low sitting reaching out lifting and uh, having a you know jerky uh, jerky movement like a car ride or a bike ride etc sure. so these are the sure. high risk sure. activities i don't mean to say don't do it but do it with your head yeah. focused on your back perfect
0: perfect perfect um moving on uh, you know we've seen back pain we've seen disc prolapse you know um, what are the other elements of the spine that you commonly see? Like we know that TB of the spine is also a common ailment or many cancers we see, you know, that spread to the spine. Uh, maybe if you could just share some some ideas on what are the other elements of the spine that our listeners should be aware of. Totally.
1: We spoke about the degenerative conditions which happen due to wear and tear and that uh, I would say take up 70-80% of our practice. But infection of the back, which is uh, again getting big on us because of our lifestyle, because of the presence of diabetes, because of poor immune uh, control, because uh, tuberculosis, India is the powerhouse of tuberculosis and tuberculosis is known to affect the back You know, significantly and we are the world leaders, if you may, of uh, uh, tuberculosis of the spine and that's related to your immunity. So spinal infections is one spinal tumors because the uh, spine being a very vascularized uh, area, all the tumors tend to metastasize or reach up the spine. And that's another problem. And of course, the big bad one, which is spinal trauma. And spinal fractures, because of the kind of fast lifestyle that we lead, can be debilitating. And there are, right from Mr. Superman, Christopher Reeves, to the, you know, uh, Schumacher, to the, you know, there are tons of people down the line who've, uh, you know, uh, re- had to rearrange their life because of their back injuries, which can be really demeaning sure. to the point of uh, osteoporotic fractures, which healthy older people suffer in in on the fly and that debilitates them for the rest of their life. So I think spinal trauma sure. is something that's overlooked. And, uh, you know, we
0: talk of fractures, but we don't talk about spinal Very fractures. Nice. Okay. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. I mentioned earlier, you know, that I've been following your videos uh, during the pandemic. Uh, And you are a big advocate of healthy eating, healthy living, uh, you know, exercise. Uh, What made you take up, you know, these initiatives or this initiative of putting up these videos? And, you know, have you seen any impact of this? I'm sure you would have seen a lot of, got a lot of good feedback. Is this something that you plan to continue doing in the future as well?
1: So uh, Sanjay, you and me both uh, agree on this that life is a is a you know journey. It's not something that you live live off the internet. It's something that you have to experience, and hence uh, uh, living a 360 degree life is very very important. You can't be confined to your profession. And which is why you know and of course it has many other virtual advantages so which is why i'm into trekking into running into sports and everything and i think it's something that uh, you know makes your life so much happier and so much more pleasurable and uh, so you know what happened during this pandemic because uh, there was a lot of depression going around in all of us i mean because we're kind of it's something that our generation or generations before us have not faced and there was something that we needed to keep people's interest and something that could be inspiring. Now in India, still doctors are looked upon as, uh, you know, slightly elevated human beings and people tend to listen to doctors uh, more than yeah. other people. And that's where me and my uh, close friend, Dr. Aditya Daftari, uh, it was his idea, actually, we got together and we said, why not let's put to our lifestyle out there in public? Because if you're doing this, we're sure. we doing this because it's good for us. So why not make it you know, count for other people. So we started initially putting up, um, we call this lockdown like docs. So what do docs do when they're locked down? How do we fight depression? Okay. How do we fight physical ill health? How do we fight the pandemic? So there were really tips and tricks of how to, uh, you know, like I, like you said, demystifying some of the myths and uh, telling you how to exercise, etc., which then caught on and got into how to take care of your back, how to do correct jhadu pocha, you know, the, the whole works. And um, right. it had a fabulous feedback, like, um, you know, because I'm not doctors and me also are a social media shy. We are not, uh, you know, I, and plus our generation, You, I'm 48 and so are you. So uh, at our age, it's a little hard to put ourselves out there in the public and uh, show them right. stuff that you're doing. And, uh, you know, but the feedback was sensational. Today, the image of the doctor being a nerd behind specs with gray hair and a ponch has really moved. And if uh, my patients have seen me singing or, you know, playing the guitar and uh, or, uh, you know, right. doing a headstand in shorts, um, the only feedback is one of thank you, doctor. You put it out there and now we know we can follow that. So, um, I think Wonderful. I am very very Wonderful. grateful to the feedback that we got, and uh, I hope not to continue this because I hope there's no more depression in the world for us to keep putting these kind of videos out.
0: No, but I hope that you know you you you. I think you wear your heart on your sleeve, you know, and that's the best part about you, Abhay, that you know you are what you are, and I think it's a it's a huge inspiration to all of us. So whether there is a pandemic or not, and I am sure there won't be, and I hope there will not be. Uh, your inspiration should not stop. I think, you know, we must keep seeing more and more of what your life is all about, professional, personal, and how, what makes Dr. Abhay Nene, you know, a 360-degree person. Sanjay, the thin
1: line between, uh, you know, vanity and uh, putting it out there, and that's what I've been struggling with, which is why I've been conservative and not putting it all out there.
0: I appreciate that, absolutely. So before we end, you know, like I mentioned to you in the beginning, that the objective of this podcast series is to bring about areas which you can help unburden the healthcare system because I know our healthcare system is overburdened. And the best way to unburden healthcare is to unburden our own health first. Uh, So if you could share, I know you've already shared a lot, but what is your target for this year to unburden your health? Is there a specific mission that you are on that this is my target for 2021 to unburden my health?
1: So my target is to be bigger and better at what I'm doing, but I'm going to give a generic target to all of you out there, because if there was one pathology in this world that can be prevented rather than treated without the help of a doctor, it's spinal ailments. Okay, so and that's my business. So going forward in this year, promise yourself that you're going to number one, uh, work on a diet plan to cut down your body weight to come back to what you weighed when you were 22 years of age. Okay. It's not hard. What you put in is what you gain. Your body is uh, does not produce weight. So don't blame thyroid. Don't blame diabetes. Don't blame nothing. The, bo- the right. you know buck stops with you. So the number one is get to your ideal body weight. It may take 12 or even 24 months. It doesn't matter. Number two right. is get into some low impact generic form of exercise, brisk walking, cycling, working on the treadmill, uh, cross trainer, swimming. So it's a good, generic, low-impact exercise. Bang for buck is favorable. It does less damage, much more good. Number three, work hard on the postural aspect of your day-to-day life. And uh, like I said, get sitting is a new smoking. Get out of those chairs. Try to do standing desks. Do most of your work standing. Minimize sitting when you absolutely have to sit. Sit upright. Make it uh, second nature. And it should, you should not be struggling to sit upright anymore. And, uh, of course, be right. wary of those, uh, you know, those computers and laptops and try to, you know, get everything around you to suit you. Number four, work on the muscles that you've never worked on in your body, which is specifically your abdominals, your obliques, your sides and your back muscles. Learn those programs. They're all out there or meet a physical therapist and start working on it. Number five, do not ignore... Calcium deficiency, vitamin D deficiency, protein deficiency and vitamin B12 deficiency. All these four are ignored and uh, in the large bulk of us who are vegetarian, it inherently we are, you know, we lose out on this and that contributes to the raw materials that makes a good musculoskeletal system. And finally, number six, sleep well, because if you sleep, you're going to be well rested to get your body back into kick ass action for the next day.
0: Wow, amazing, amazing tips. Abhay, thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, we are all looking forward. I will I will catch you on the cycling circuit of Mumbai. I know it's not a very big circuit, but hope to catch you midway somewhere in Worli, where you are coming from, South Bombay, and I'm coming from the suburbs. Ad- Absolutely, Sanjay. I look Ad-
1: forward to the day where we bike together because you're such an avid cyclist, and I've seen that you've shrunk in size, and you're looking like a, you know, like <laughs> a young. I thought it's your son, really. If it was not for the, <laughs> you know, for the gray hair, I would have thought, uh, you know, I, I'm a, who am I talking to? So congratulations on this fantastic, you know, last year for you.
0: Thank you, thank you, Abhay. Thank you so much. I mean, keep inspiring us like this. Keep doing great work that you always do. We look forward to, you know, such inspiration from you both online and offline. Stay safe, stay healthy and wish you all the best, Abhay. Thank you. And that's a wrap for our episode today. Thank you so much for listening. New episodes are out every alternate Tuesday. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe to our show. You can listen to our show on all major podcasting platforms like Google Podcast, Apple Podcast and wherever you listen to your podcast form. If you are an Apple or an iOS user, you can share your ratings and reviews on the Apple Podcast app. If you have any questions related to health, or would like to share your feedback, you can reach me on my social media handles at Dr. Sanjay Arora on LinkedIn and Facebook and Dr. Underscore Sanjay Arora on Instagram.